0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision For You Big Book Study. My name is Anita Jay and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 7th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in chapter 11, A Vision For You on page 153, beginning with the third paragraph, which starts in the chapter, Working with Others. And we read five paragraphs today, ending with, Floated to him from the bar. And comments will be taken on all. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Beth W, the 12 traditions, Naomi B, and readers of the text this morning are Rachel W, Rocky E, and our backup is Jen A. The share ID numbers for Tuesday, November 6th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,145. 12145. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 12,146, 12,146. And Hoodie R is waiting in Israel to be our newcomer greeter and our 8 a.m. host is Leah S. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from Compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll now
1: ask Beth W. to read OA's 12 Steps. Good morning. My name is Beth W. from North Dakota. Gratefully recovered today. The 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step one: We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two: Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three: Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thanks so much, Beth W.
0: And I'll now ask Naomi B. to read OA's 12 Traditions.
2: Thank you, Anita. Good morning. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, thanks.
2: Okay, thank you, Anita. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. 1. A common common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relation policy is based upon on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass.
0: Thanks so much, Naomi B. How our meeting works? Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two or five from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 153, the third paragraph beginning with, in the chapter, working with others and reading through five paragraphs, which ends, floated to him from the bar, and comments will be taken on all. And I will now ask um, Rachel W. to get us
3: started. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, November team. Good morning, everyone on the line. It's Rachel W. Um, In the chapter, Working With Others, you gathered an idea of how we approach and aid others to health. Suppose now that through you, several families have adopted this way of life. You will want to know more of how to proceed from that point. Perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of a fellowship among us. Here is a brief account. Years ago, in 1935, one of our number made a journey to a certain western city. From a business standpoint, his trip came off badly. Had he been successful in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at that time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy, Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? One dismal afternoon, he paced a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now, perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old, insidious insanity, that first drink, With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. All right, I'll set my timer here. And um, I'm Rachel W. Recover, Compulsive Reader from New York. Really grateful to be on the line today and reading this. Um, What hit me here is just the, the power of the steps, what they do. They transform. They take literally someone like me who uh who was so into my addiction and so into my own my own what I wanted um and 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 turns the steps turn me turn us into useful people who carry a message and um and it's fascinating you know the probably the most important word i read here was that you know one one of our number you know, suppose now that through you, you know each one of us has this opportunity when we take these steps and lean into them and have this design for living every day of our lives um, and use it you know then then we we do this, we carry a message, and very often I think like you know life isn't perfect, my life isn't perfect or what I think it should be. I feel like I have only that one dilemma, that addict dilemma which is who do I become when I don't get my way and I'm just amazed that you know here he is you know had he had he been successful, can you imagine if he had been successful in his enterprise? I'm just thinking, had he been financially set what would have what would have happened? you know it was that unmanageability it was it was that life happening that kind of put him up against the wall to to you know lean into this process and um and then also the you know just the idea that instead of seeking out you know, this is this is what it is. If, if I if I seek out my food, if I seek out food as a solution or and even in recovery, even in absence, it could happen also. It could happen that I could think I'm justifying. Could I could I have a little or Does it make sense to have this? And and that's why, you know, we can reach out to each other. But when we don't have anyone else around us, I think this is the biggest punchline of the entire program. It's when we get to the 12th step and find out that our higher power was with us all along and that inherently we could have a piece of higher power within us that we could access and actually see. Um, and I know that for me, you know, I've definitely been in this place of, of desperation and not knowing, and what should I do? And just the fact that he's showing us here, you know, how, how to, how to turn the tide and how to make another decision. And, um, and also, you know, that just the fact that it, it is thin ice, you know, some people might think, Oh, it's only one bite or it's only, you know, this thing, you know, in another program, that's true in this program, that one bite really leads to, to certain emotional death, spiritual death. It leads me to um, a life where I don't have any answers. And also just the idea that, um, you know, he was thinking that, you know, just have that that music and the gay chatter and all that camaraderie, the hearing the sound of it, you know, when it, at, at one point, it became like the pole. It was the magnet to go there because, you know, I'm thinking that, Oh, there's something there for me that could just take me away from whatever I don't want to deal with or whatever I want to eat over. And, um, And in the end, not doing that and holding myself and leaning into these steps, um, all that stuff just kind of floats by and I can see it for what it is, which is really just an escape for myself. So um, and just the answer is is coming out of, you know, coming out of myself and and helping others. So thank you for allowing me to share. And I pass. Thanks so much,
0: Rachel. W. All
3: right. (gasps) Who else
0: wants to share? be from Boston? June. Mary. Mary. K. And Javon. Lisa. B. Barbara. E. K- 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 M. Just a
4: minute.
0: I, this has gotten away from me. I wonder what. Well, that's because I was up too late. Let's see, Lisa and. Um, oh my gosh. Mary. I've got Larry, but I've got I've got Katie, and I've got Lisa B, and I've got Larry, and I've got Shabari. Cynthia C,
5: Edini M.,
0: H. and oh yes, Cynthia, Cynthia C, Cynthia C, and Edini H, Barbara, and Ruth Barbara, H. and Ruth H, and I know there's somebody in there. I'm sorry, but this is such a long list. I hope you stick D. around. June D okay this is such a long list i hope i get you all okay katie lisa uh cynthia c and larry and javon and edini and barbara e and h and june d wow whoa okay katie g go (laughs) good morning anita katie g recovered compulsive
6: or reader anorexic and believe my the first thing that I love is that um, I don't know what's best for me and the problem is not what's happening. The problem is my judgment of the situation. And I, I, I'm i sorry, I have found myself bitterly discouraged in a strange place, discredited and almost broke, fired from four different jobs, um, given offered opportunities um, to walk through very scary medical um, issues and whatnot. And seeing that my um, breakups And my predicament has been dangerous. And, um, you know, what my book tells me over and over and over and over again, any problem, help others. Any problem, help others. Any problem, help others. After I have, you know, stayed entirely abstinent and done the, um, the 12 steps and continue to live. The other thing that really gripped me today is the delusional sick thinking. I looked up the word insidious. Check this out. Subtle well established before becoming a parent wowza so my subtle thinking of the delusional psychotic thinking of um, a bottle of ginger ale like can i just sit here now can i just have one come on i've been a really good girl that's all diet mentality abstinence is black and white but then today as a recovered woman you know what what are my subtle insidious insanities Where the, what's the delusional thinking that i'm believing not just if i have a food thought but about about my life like somehow that um that my mom you know me having a child is going to is going to heal my relationship with my mother or you know other lies that i tell myself my husband owes me the kind of lies that sound maybe innocuous, but that lead me to a place mentally where eating will be a step up. And what I am taught, what I love is that that I'm not responsible for my first thought. I have to tell you, I still sometimes have food thoughts or I have a food dream. But what's amazing is I'm recovered. I have a shiver. I have a shiver. I react sanely and normally, but it's not enough for me to have a shiver. It's not enough for me to be like, oh, no, thank you. I have to find other women who are suffering and help them. That is the solution death of self for successful living. It is not about you know just um, just saying, Okay, yep, yeah, you know what that's sick thinking, and now i 'm going to muster my way through. I have got to have an entire shift, an entire 180 shift. And and you all saved me when I'm about to walk through something so scary and I call you and I don't have to say anything about me. I just talk about us and God and I get saved. Because I'll just close with this. Thinking about KDG is not the solution if you're KDG.
0: And I'm so grateful to know that today. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, KD. Lisa B., good morning.
3: Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I was listening to the reader share so wonderfully on this, and I didn't really think I had anything, and then all of a sudden, I thought, oh, my gosh, there is something I really need to share, and it's something that helped me so much. That is, when I was reading the Forward to the Second Edition, one of my sponsors helped me see, because they go through this story in the Forward to the Second Edition, that if Bill were sponsor-reliant, he would have been really in big-time trouble, because Ebby Thatcher, his school friend that he meets, and we read about that on page eight, became his guide, took him through the the tenants of the Oxford group. Bill got recovered, but Ebby picked up a drink. He was no longer sober at this time. But Bill, having had that spiritual experience, knew that he was really in trouble. And he had that moment of clarity, that moment of clarity. He's not feeling good. He has hard feelings and feelings of controversy. And what I need to see is that if I'm just picking and choosing during some of the steps, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm really not as bad as Bill. I don't need to do all of the steps. I don't need to do a 10-step. I can push through this, push through this. Um, And, you know, the gay crowd starts to call out to him. And there he would find companionship and relief. And it reminds me that the reason I eat is because I want relief. I want ease and comfort. I seek ease and comfort. I have like a radar inside of me and I might find other things to give me temporary ease and comfort, but I know that ultimately it's got to be through the steps and through that spiritual experience. So I would encourage people to read that forward to the second edition. It goes into a little bit more detail and I have to remember it's not about sponsor reliance. I'm just a guide. I'm just a guide holding the flashlight and they often hold the flashlight for me. It's about them getting that experience and not depending on me. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lisa B. Cynthia C. And then it'll be Larry K. Cynthia. May I be heard? Yeah. May I be heard? Yes.
0: Yes. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, thank you
7: so much for your service and everybody's service in making this and all these meetings happen. Um, Almost every day of the week, it just—it was amazing. Um, I think what I really, really—I did. Oh, this is Cynthia C, compulsive overeater and food addict um, in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, I think what I love most, personally, of of this reading, is that I have no idea what's good for me, which means I have no idea what's good for you. My will. Is never really what's best, or, or is often not what's best, and that things happen. I just what rings so true to me is that there's so many things that I think I must accomplish in my day or in my life. Um, you know, I I had something on Friday where, you know, I thought I had uh, I had a commitment. I had to leave the house really early, and I had one technical difficulty after another, and I needed to be someplace to do service and. I was running extremely late, and, um, you know, and and God gave me this other opportunity to do a different kind of a service that I would never have had had I left on time, you know? Like, I never know why things happen, and things that seem to be, in my mind, would have been awful and terrible. There were things that I thought, oh, my God, that should never happen to me. And then when some of those things do, you know, it's not its not as bad as I thought it would be. Like, I really don't know what's best for me or what my life should be like. And it's only when I really can breathe out and surrender. There was a special edition meeting. I don't remember how long ago it was. It was, I think, Marie Jane. She talked about the difference between compliance and surrender. And that's always stuck with me of really, really surrendering, and surrendering every moment, every day, I truly don't know what's best for me, and that when I can let go of my will, of forcing my will upon myself, upon others around me, I loosen up, I lighten up, and that's when I think the miracles of this program really happen, when God really works miracles in my life and offers gifts, like Bill started this amazing program that we wouldn't be here. Like, we would not be on this meeting. I would not be recovered today. I would maybe I either still be in the food or possibly dead because I would have eaten myself to death, which is not unheard of, you know. Um, or or I would have drunk myself to death. Um, for me, it was all really the same allergy of the body um, and twist of the mind. And I just am so grateful today that – I don't have to know what is best for me. I don't have to know what's best for you. I can put one foot in front of the other. I get to pray and meditate every day, and I get to turn my will. I get to completely turn my will over to the care of my higher power. So thank you all so much. With that, I pass.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Cynthia C. Larry Kaye and then Alicia Vaughn. Good morning, Mr. Larry Kaye.
8: Good morning, Anita. Did you hear that, Larry? 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 Oh my gosh! <laughs> so <sorry. laughs> we get passionate around here, don't we? I get excited. Um, you know, you know what? What I'm reminded here is Bill. You know, he uh, he was in the Mayflower Hotel. You know, we learn about that. We know the story, right? How he came to to meet. To meet Dr. Bob and it was it was maybe it was serendipitous. Can you imagine if Bill, you know, at the time could could foresee the future? Imagine if he if he knew that we were on the line today, connecting the dots. It's quite extraordinary. You know, in nineteen fifty nine, I'm reminded, in nineteen fifty nine, I know a little bit about the history, not much. Roseanne was wearing a size 20. She was um, 5'2", and she had this amazing idea. And it was inspired by a a visit, of all things, to Gamblers Anonymous in support of a a friend of her husband's. And, And she thought, hey, why can't I create a fellowship modeled after AA, which would mean people with compulsive eating problems, people like you and me, you know, that we would no longer have to carry the stigma alone. And she persuaded a couple of other women at the time in the Los Angeles area to form what became Overeaters Anonymous in January of 1960. You know, she was around our kitchen table. That's what, you know, we're on the line with, with lots of people. We've evolved over time. There's no way she could have understood at the time. It was serendipitous. It was almost seemingly accidental. There's no way she would know. There's no way Bill would have known. There was something divine at foot. How could it be otherwise? Otherwise, it is to believe that this is one big coincidence. This is one big 90-year coincidence. See, I choose not to believe that's so. You know, I'm reminded of what, what Dr. Bob used to tell folks um, you know, that were struggling, they were new in their sobriety, and he, he would tell them, you know, many people coming into this program get, you know, get the wrong conception of the notion of easy does it. It doesn't mean that you sit on your butt and you stay home, you know, for meetings and you let other people work the program for you. It doesn't mean that you have an easy life without drinking. See, easy does it, he said, means that while you're dealing with life on life's terms, you take it a day at a time. See, now I don't ask the God of my understanding to keep you know, keep me free of temptation, and then in my next breath I turn around, and in the next instant I walk right into that temptation. There's some things I could do for myself. I tell the same thing that Dr. Bob told people in the 1940s. I try to. You know, before you get honest with me, or you get honest with your sponsor, or anyone else. Wrapping up here, Anita, you need to get honest with the guy or the woman in the mirror. You know, that's what we have to do. We never push OA on anyone. With that, I pass. Thanks, Anita.
0: Thank you so much, Larry. All right, Siobhan, and then it'll be Adini. Hi, good morning. Um, Anita, can I be heard?
9: Yes, you can. Thank you. Can you just remind me on what page we're on? Because my book (laughs) closed.
0: page one fifty three the third paragraph five paragraphs so much okay the third- our hope is is
9: that the one no is it our no in the chapter working with others.
0: Correct, Anita.
9: You're using your Thank time you. up, you honey. Yep. I know. I, I'm, I trust God is going to say what work through me to say. He
0: will. Yeah. So, so, so
9: I found that. Um, so Siobhan recovered, uh, recovered avail, uh, recovered compulsive, Over Eater and recovered available sponsor. Um, so, you know, it, I've heard it said that we have to uh, give it away to keep it. In my experience, we don't get it unless we give it. And so I have all of my 18 protégés work with others from the minute they call me. Literally, after they after they call me, we go through steps one, two, and three in about 30 minutes. And and we start them on their inventory. But I have them call into the next phone meeting to take newcomer numbers, to call them, to share their experience. What do they have? They have hope. And that's the way Bill did it. You know, I've been told I, I, I take them through with the flashlight like Bill did um and i and that's the way i feel very higher power led to do that um you know and and i you know it also tells us on page 89 that nothing will so much ensure immunity than intensive work with other compulsive overeaters um and so you know and it's immunity so i've heard it said daily reprieve it's it's i'm a lawyer so it's i'm going to lawyer this up It's not a it's not a daily proof. We don't turn into a pumpkin the next morning. In my experience, it is actually protection that can be taken back. It can be removed, and then we're back left. What are we without the protection? But but for the grace of God, as I understand God, I'm back right back where I started in my old thinking. So I believe, in my experience, that it's not an allergy to food, sugar, or any of those things. It's actually an allergy to resentment because we learn that that resentment is the number one offender. And so I find that. I have to keep my house clean. I can't let those dishes pile up, and I hate dishes, and I hate, you know, I don't use dishes because I you know, when, when I was actually overeating, and I don't do that anymore. I eat everything with, with neutrality. I, God directs my, my eating. It's sane. It happened in five days. It, this does not take long when there's willingness, and it, it is, in my experience, absolutely easy, no struggle. If I'm struggling, I find I'm actually in my will and not really doing God's will. But I, it's really, I really did have that vital spiritual experience, and that's not – that happens on God's time. It's not – you know, I, I used to sponsor shop, and how much time do you have? You know, you know all of my protégés, none of them ask me how much time I have, but they'd be shocked to find out. I have like three weeks. I mean, but I really did have that vital spiritual experience, and it's been lifted. And, you know, and it's on page 27. It says, you know, the doctor said you have the mind – of a chronic compulsive overeater. I've never seen one single case recover where the state of mind existed to that extent as it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed. on. That's where I was, turning point. And and it ends with the end of uh, bottom of 29. You know, really, that was what was missing in all the other times, like the steps in all my other programs. And when I did it and I had that vital, it lifted all of the, because it was really the common core was this allergy to the resentment in my experience. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Siobhan. All right, Adini, and then uh, Barbara E. Good morning.
5: Thank you so much, Anita, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. Hmm. So what has a hold on me? What is deeply rooted that is anchoring me to an unshakable foundation? It's not about abstinence, and it's not about recovery. It's about being connected to the power that protects me and gives me strength, and this power for me is God. It's all about how well I'm connected to my main source, to my inner generator. You know, Bill was standing in the lobby And he was positioned right in the middle of his path. And on one side, he's being tempted, he's being invited, he's being seduced for that ease and comfort that's so elusive. And on the other side is the direction it's about doing the right thing as God would have him be. So a decision had to be made, getting disconnected and falling into old ways or moving forward with our strength of connection, and that is God. So he turns away that temptation, that tease. And how does that happen? How can we turn away from our temptation from that first bite? And it's the connection with God that is so much more stronger than the obsession of the mind. Bill was placed in the place of neutrality that made him turn away and walk towards the church directory. Thank you, God. Because if you didn't do that, I wouldn't be speaking right now, and you wouldn't be here on this line. And yes, okay, thoughts come, and 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 these thoughts we cannot control these thoughts, but we can certainly choose which thoughts we're going to entertain by weighing and measuring our thoughts. And by the grace of God, you know, uh, we get to have the strength to choose as He would have us be, just as long as we're connected. But gosh, when fear had a hold on me, when I was doubting, when I was questioning my ability to be able to take that first bite, when I stood on thin ice with that thought to pick up, what do I do? What does that destructive thought, um, it would start to divide me and disconnect me, so what did I do? I dropped on my knees, I picked up the phone, I ran for meetings, I cried out for help, Because this program is not an I program, it's a we program. So turning away from those old thoughts that no longer are welcomed and that they don't serve me. Um, I certainly, nobody can rise above being human, but we continue to live our program by strengthening our connection with God, ourselves, and others. So that we can stay clean and empty, so that light of the spirit comes in us and guides us. These twelve steps—they're just—they're amazing. They manifest in our lives with strength and the ability to be responsible That's and nice. act accordingly. And it's all about having that personal relationship, heart to heart, and not head relationship. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thanks so much,
10: Adini.
5: Uh, Barbara E., and then it'll be Ruth H. Good morning, Barb.
10: Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm going to start my timer right now. Um, I was reminded of a story written by Jack London a long time ago called The Lady or the Tiger. A barbaric king has a lovely daughter, and he thinks no one is good enough for his daughter. Well, the young daughter is in love with the man, not appropriate in the king's estimation. So the barbaric king throws the man into a gladiator type ring and offers him two choice. Behind door one, is a lovely lady. Not his love, but a lovely lady. For us, the ease and comfort of a first drink. Behind door two, a tiger certain death, mangled, in our case, by our disease. Now, Bill was on thin ice. His business had not gone well. He could have turned to the bar, the ease and comfort, the gay chatter, or he could have made that other turn going to the church directly. Now, the young man, we never find out what he does. Does he take the ease and comfort of knowing he won't die, but he won't be with his lady love? Or does he choose the tiger and get mangled and know certain death? That was the dilemma for me in the early days of abstinence. It was hard not to think, well, I could have just one, just one. What could one bite? What could one bank do? but I didn't. And like Bill, he made the right decision and that's what I had to do. I had to constantly avoid the frothy emotional appeal of the gay chatter that is my thinking, sometimes that food could do it. I had to know compliance, as I heard someone say, or surrender, I had to surrender one day at a time. Now, it's been two decades of surrendering my will and my life over to a power that is not me. And I do it so gladly every single day. I could have been and had been the poster child for relapse many times before I got to OA. But fortunately, I was led by another member to this wonderful place. And I am so grateful to be here with you today. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thanks so much, Barbara E. Ruth H., and then it'll be June D. Good morning, Ruth.
11: Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. Um, Yes, this is Ruth H., um, so gratefully recovered in Connecticut. You know, in this part of Bill's story, um, it says that he was six months sober when he recognized he was, I think it was, it says he was on thin ice. And I'm approaching two years um, of recovery and I started to think about, you know, does how long we're recovered, does it matter? You know, does it give us any better ability to deal with life's trials? You know, in in kind of thinking over those questions, um, I'm not really sure that it does at all or at least to what degree it means. But, you know, I think what has mattered more for me is how spiritually fit I am. You know, how much time am I devoting to prayer and meditation? And not just in quantity, but what's the quality of that time? And, um, um, and what about quality time that I'm spending working with others? Um, again, the quality being so important. And how am I dealing with the human emotions that build up um, if I'm not using program to deal with them? You know basically as a recovered fellow where is the quality level of my steps 10 11 and 12. you know i had some doubts about that recently um um, in my own my personal life you know my my son's new kitten was diagnosed with a rare fatal feline disease and we had to have her put down um i felt just such deep sadness for this poor kitten and my and my son and but was i wallowing in self-pity um, you know, the poor me, poor me, poor me a Frappuccino, or or was I just feeling and processing the loss and the grief? You know, I guess I've come to, to realize that only God can provide the answer. Um, and he did in his own way as he nursed me back to being grateful for the short time we had with this kitten and that we were able to provide a loving home for her in the short time that she had. Um, but did it matter that I was almost two years recovered when that happened? Now, I'm not really sure. I just know that it mattered that I had a connection to a God of love and compassion um, and who righted my course just as he did for Bill in, in this piece of Bill's story You know, and continues to keep me recovered one day at a time. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much for letting me share.
0: And thank you so much for the share, Ruth. And June D., you are up.
1: Hi, this is June D. In
12: Pen- yes, this is June D. In Pennsylvania, um, I'm a compulsive eater and sugar addict. Uh, this is my first time speaking on here, um, and I'm going to be quick. I made some bullet points as I was listening to others. Uh, I was listening to a meditation this morning before the call, and into the time of the call, and it just stopped, which doesn't happen, and I thought, what the heck? You know, I looked at the look at the time, and, oh, it's the LA meeting. So I thought maybe I'm supposed to listen to that. So uh, I felt led to share today. But the paragraph that stood out for me was the last one. And uh, for me, it's about to thine own self be true, and dis- displeasing others. Um, I have a situation once a year with my husband's sisters family there's like 50 people that are invited and I struggle with this every year now maybe I'm not on firm spiritual ground uh, but between the food and the alcohol it's not so much the alcohol but the food calls me I go around with a bottle of water most of the time but I'm hard knuckling it a lot of the time so and then there's the social anxiety. So I can take socializing one-on-one or a few people, but not 50. Um, so this year, my sister invited me to uh, Florida around the holidays. And this party is always between Christmas and New Year's. And I decided to take her up on it because of that party. So I am going away for a week to visit my sister in Florida. To take care of myself. And I really feel good about that. So, there for me, it's to I don't self be true, even though I'm displeasing my husband, but he'll get over it. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, June D. All right, maybe three or four more. Hi, Nancy okay, R. Lisa okay, I've, I've got it. I've ne- got Devara it. I, I, no, I have. Sorry, I've got them. I think um, Nancy P. and can uh, there's another Nancy. Nancy
13: Nancy, Nancy R. R.
0: R. And and then the, who is and then was it something S. Devara R. It's a Devara. Okay, Anessa. If we get to you, you'll be the fourth one. We'll see. Okay, Nancy Nessa, P. Please? Nancy, uh, we're all done, I think. Uh, Nancy P., Nancy R., uh, Devora, and if we get to you, Nessa. Okay. Good morning, Nancy P.
14: Hi, Anita. Thanks for letting me share. Um, so these paragraphs are really—I mean, I've recently come to the conclusion that for me this entire book is all about step one and everything in it is to there to help me remember that. And, you know, I, um, you know, I have some challenges in my life and, you know, some, um, some big relapses from people in my life and, you know, have and not, but not me. And, you know, I've sort of been howling a little bit with my pain and, um, I'm, I just have to say that, you know, we're heading into the holiday season with a lot of you know entertaining and going to parties, and you know I'm hosting thanksgiving i'm having twenty five people and um you know it's it's just sort of this time of year again and um you know I have to say that you know i you know somebody asked me if I believed in God, and the, my answer was I don't know, but i'm data driven and the evidence points to yes. <laughs> So I have to say that even though I'm in pain for my, from the circumstances of my life, that I'm not, I'm not like sitting hopefully at the bar waiting for somebody to come and ask me if, you know, if I know of a way that they can stop drinking. You know, it's a, um, I put my head down and I keep walking and I do what's right for me and I spend a lot of time on this program. Um, you know, I work, I sleep. I take care of my family, and whatever's left, eighty percent of it is spent on my recovery. And um, so, you know, it's been amazing. I came in December first last year. I I haven't had a year's abstinence or eleven months and change of abstinence in forty years. And um, I, I I pinch myself every day, and um, I just can't I can't say how much it means to me. That everything that it says in this book has come true and it's all in support of remembering that I'm powerless over food and that my life is unmanageable and that a power greater than myself is the only way that I'm going to get past it. I mean, I've gotten a fellowship that's sprung up around me. I have friends now. I have, um, you know, uh, um, nothing ensures immunity, nothing, like not some things, not one thing, but nothing ensures immunity than working with other alcoholics. And you know, yesterday when I was just howling a little bit louder, I made a bunch of phone calls, and wouldn't you know it, when I hung up the phone, I um, I felt much better. So, you know, it works, it works, it works. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks so much, Nancy P. Nancy R., and then Deborah.
15: Okay, thank you very much. My name is Nancy R., I'm a grateful, recover-compulsive overeater, and I uh, just want to address uh, one section in the readings. I really enjoyed the sharing. Uh, he wanted so much to talk with someone. <clears throat> that has been really one of the most challenging things for me in this program. Uh, this program really is a design for living because uh, in the big book, it tells us at night on page 86, uh, when we retire at night, It has a list of things that we're supposed to review. And one of them is, uh, was there something, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? So, I mean, that reinforces the importance of uh, sharing, talking out stuff with other people. And that was so hard for me because I was raised in a house, I was raised as a kid, uh, what what happens in this house stays in this house. Uh, Keep your business to yourself uh don't you know to to share a uh, a problem is a sign of weakness that you cannot handle it um but this program has uh, has revolutionized my thinking, thank you god uh that when something is bothering me, I recognize the necessity of 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 sharing it with someone, and I'm grateful that uh there are people in this program that I feel comfortable enough, people who are recovering. I can't share everything with everybody. Uh, there are people who give me, who, who would uh, co-sign my my sickness, and um, that's not what I need. Uh, there's a slogan in the program that's, that I've heard around for years that said, share it or wear it. And I certainly I don't want to wear it. I'm so grateful that uh, I, God led me to OA, and today I have a design for living. That has led me to a way of life that's infinitely better than anything I could have imagined. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you so much. All right, uh, Deborah, and then I think we will make you go we'll get you, we'll
13: Nessa. Go ahead, Deborah. Thank you so much, Anita, and everyone on the line that makes this possible. My name is Deborah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. and <clears throat> Well, wow, these paragraphs are just incredible, and it really says so much about, um, you know, what we learned in this book, you know, here we are, you know, he was, he, he went to this new place, he was on a business uh, trip, his business failed, and uh, he was feeling very discouraged, he was discredited, he was almost broke, he had no idea how he was going to pay that bill, in a pile up of human emotions, that's why we ate, we ate. And, the, you know, and he was looking for that solution. What was going to be this answer that was going to make him feel better? You know, and we all turned to the food. He was looking for that alcohol. And he's looking and he's seeing the gay crowd over there. And he said, yeah, that's going to be it. What's going to be so terrible? That crazy thinking. I could just have one. I mean, how often did I do that? I could just have one. It'll make me feel better. And then all of a sudden, you know, we all of a sudden, like, what happened? He got out of himself a little bit. And he realized that. What about my responsibility? My family? What about the other alcoholics over there? Who, like, you know, I'm I'm sober six months. I have something to give. Like, you know, and I, what am I doing? How crazy am I to 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 ruin all this because of what, what, about me? It's not about me, but about others. And. You know, he was directed out of there. I mean, this is really, if you think about it, God is really holding him up here. God is really giving him the strength and the, and the thoughts to change, that I, the, 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 to change that course of action that he was going to be on and to get out of himself and help another person. I mean, these are all tenets that we look at in this program that we, we live for. You know, when I'm feeling down or whatever, pick up the phone, call another person, get out of myself. Um, what's, you know, th- this is this is the whole crux of this program is getting out of ourselves and being useful to others. Um, and how often awesome that is, we see it firsthand in these pages. Um, and that's, you know, I'm never I never make it in this program. Thank God I have a design for living. But, you know, I'm human. Things go up, things go down. My emotions play. And um, the bottom line is, is that when I can be of service to another person, I could get out of, I, I, I realized that whatever I was feeling, it was just for that moment and things pass, things pass, I don't have to eat over it. And that's a miracle today. And that's, that's incredible. You know, they talk about, we're going to meet incredible people, you know, in these pages and that, that's an incredible experience that that I take along with me each day, and um, and I'm just so grateful to have found it in these pages, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much, Divora. All
4: right, Nessa R., you are up. Hi, good morning, this for you. Uh, this is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So Bill was recovered. And he found abstinence uncomfortable in light of his uncomfortable life circumstances, and he needed a sense of even comfort. Um, and so his mind immediately turned to alcohol, but then he, he was returned to sanity due to his recovery, and he realized: you know, alcohol is not the answer, God is the answer. I need to work with another alcoholic. Um, and the truth is, abstinence is uncomfortable, especially you know prior to the to the time that they become recovered. And you know, if if a person is like me, who is, who is overweight and needs to lose weight, in addition to the discomfort of abstinence, um, we are going to experience genuine hunger. You know, I was almost 200 pounds. I needed to weigh 120 pounds, and so I had to eat what a a person who weighs 120 pound pounds eat. But I have a stomach of a 200-pound person, so I experience hunger, and hunger is, you know, part of the process, and it's part it adds to the discomfort. It's something that we have to withstand in order to come out. So, in those crucial, you know, weeks between putting the first putting the food down first and and recovery, what keeps us abstinent? And, you know, in the big book, somewhere on page 150, it says, you know, one day we'll be unable to imagine life with or without alcohol. And that's what does it. So we we to be, um, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the
0: You're breaking up.
4: Nessa, right at the end, we can't hear you. Now, we're, we've we
0: got one minute left, and I hesitate to throw that out to any. Oh, now we don't have any time left. I want to thank everybody who shared, particularly those who tried it, tried it uh, for the first time. I hope they come back. And the um, share ID for today's meeting is... 12,152, 12152. And uh, we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I am asking Rocky E. to read A Vision for You for us.
1: Hi, Anita. This is Rocky E. from New York, compulsive
7: overeater and happy to do service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with Him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others.